0: Hello and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren Legrasso. I'm Lauren Legrasso and this show is meant to help you make creativity the filter for your life, redefine your relationship with fear and take it out of the driver's seat, step more fully into the essence of who you are and claim your right to have a dream and take up space. And today there's an incredible guest to to help us get to the bottom of some of those things. His name is Jeff Stoltz. He's been super influential on my creative journey, and I can't wait for you to hear from him. But first, I want to talk about the creative challenge. Last week's creative challenge was the word longing. I got an amazing podcast from one of our listeners. I myself went through and Looked at an old song of mine that was all about, like, basically your soul wanting to leave your body. And I've been revisiting that. I also got an idea for a short story. And it was just a call for me to start really asking what am I longing for in my life? So please continue to share what you've created from our creative challenges. I also got permission from my dear friend, Steffi, to share her poem based on last week's word, which was blue. So I'm going to put that at the end of the episode. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And this coming week's word is rest. And this kind of ties into the creative check-in as well. In this time, the world is kind of on pause in many ways. And while maybe some of us are experiencing that as well there are other people many people i know who are in the grind every day trying to figure out how to make ends meet trying to figure out how to create content trying to you know trying to keep up with the hustle basically and between that and taking care of your family and yourself it can be really really exhausting so i think the word rest is really appropriate and in the next week I want to contemplate like how I can make more time for rest because I think it's pretty impossible to create from a place of depletion. That's why this episode's going out late actually. I was so exhausted last night that I finally like, you know what? I have to honor my body. Usually I push through and we'll just like stay up till 3 or 4 in the morning to finish, but I need to sleep and I'm going to do it in the morning once my head is clear. So I think we all need to do that in our own lives. How can we Cultivate a space and mindset that is restful so that we can create from a solid foundation. So, yes, I'd like you to contemplate that in the next week. I'm going to be contemplating that and maybe create something physical as well. Maybe it's a painting or a poem or a podcast or a meal. What does rest, the word rest, inspire? And now to the guest, Jeff Stoltz is an actor, writer, and producer, best known for his roles on TV shows such as 7th Heaven, Grace and Frankie, and Little Fires Everywhere, and movies such as The Breakup, Wedding Crashers, 12 Strong, and Unforgettable. Jeff is also from Michigan, and he and his brother George unknowingly played a very important role in inspiring me to believe I could pursue a career in entertainment. Years after this inspiration, we met when I booked him on Maria Menunos' Sirius XM show, and he quickly became a recurring guest co-host due to his comedic timing and just being a pleasure to work with. Every time Jeff was on air, it was a slam dunk. From our conversation, you'll learn the wild way Jeff got his start in Hollywood. Hint, it has to do with crashing auditions. Yes, this is a real story. Tips for people pursuing multiple creative paths and advice for young actors. We also take a very deep dive into his backstory, which provides some great life lessons. And I hope the trip down Jeff's memory lane allows you to do the same in your life as you trace the lines of your creative journey. Oh, and one other thing I should note, Jeff and I did this remotely, obviously, right now, and I'm pretty sure he was recording on his balcony or something because there's definitely some bird sounds and construction sounds, but I think it adds to the overall ambiance and the wonder that is Jeff Stoltz. So without further ado, here he is, Jeff Stoltz. Jeff, I'm so happy that we finally made this work. It's been like a year in the making, so welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm proud of you for doing it. Sorry, I was a pain in the ass to get here.
0: <laughs> You're not a pain in the ass. You're the most fun. And you know, I'm actually quarantining back home in Gross Point with my parents. Oh, you are? I am. Yeah, where it all began. And I was telling them the story. And just for the listener that may not know, Jeff was like my original inspiration to think that maybe I could be something in Hollywood. There was this ice cream store down the street, and we both grew up in the same area, I went to it and it's really cool. It's like an old timey ice cream store where they serve ice cream in these metal bowls. And I remember going in and there was a picture of these two handsome young men. And I was like to the guy who was working behind the counter, who are they? And he goes, well, that's Jeff and George Stoltz. And and they're from here and they're on seventh heaven and they're famous and they're going to be something big. And I remember <laughs> looking at that picture and being like, Wow. They're from here and they did it and if they did it maybe I can do it too.
1: Yeah, if these two assholes can <laughs> be, anybody can do it.
0: No, but you really were my inspiration and so it was just like so surreal all those years later. I remember when your name got pitched to us to book on Maria's series XM show which is where we met. I was like, "God, I got to find a way to have this guy on and thank him." And then you became a regular because you're just also one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life, which we're going to get to. <laughs> oh, God.
1: So the, I don't know if I ever told you this part of that, that, so my brother has this crazy, crazy unique, well, it's, it's Alanosis is the name of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's been fixated on that place. Evidently my mom went there on her way home from the hospital after having given birth to my brother. And, you know, I'm assuming that at, 24 hours old or whatever the hell he was he have ice cream yet, but it it somehow became just this narrative in his head. That's his favorite place. So when when we would go back into town, that would be the first place that he and I would go from the airport.
0: Wow. That's pretty special. Maybe we should all make a pilgrimage there once this is all over, give them some support.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> assuming this all quiets down or opens up, you know, we'll be back there in, in Detroit for the 4th of July.
0: <gasps> all right. Okay. If I'm here during that time, we're going to LNOC's. We're going to have a bowl. A
1: deal. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, you know, this show is all about creativity. You've had an incredible creative career. You've also apparently done football overseas, which I had no idea about. You continue to surprise and amaze me. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm wondering when you look back on it, If you had to pinpoint a moment, what was the inciting incident of your creative journey?
1: Hmm. You know, uh, wow. When I was a kid, when I was probably, I have to remember based on who the teacher was. So when I was probably sixth grade, seventh grade, I don't know if this was just the narrative in my head or if it was actually happening but it was like if you were a boy and this is when i was going to school we had moved to colorado i was in colorado going to school with my where my mom was and my dad was still in detroit so we'd kind of commute back and forth school years were in colorado uh, summers and holidays were detroit kind of the narrative in our little mountain school was just like the, the girls were the smart ones and the boys were like just the 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 animals that like got dirty at recess, and I certainly was one of the animals that got dirty at recess. I remember I wrote an article or it was an essay thing, and it got selected and put up in, in the Capitol building in Colorado Springs. And I forget what it was about, but it was I don't remember. It was like a 500 words or less. And I remember when the a teacher announced it, the girls in the class were like, "Well, he must have cheated, or he must have had some." <laughs> created forum and i was like hey wait a minute i can be creative too but i I just remember that as a youngster being like all right i guess i i guess i can use my brain in other ways than and then just trying to like you know throw firecrackers and things like that i don't know and then i just enjoyed as i as i got into junior high and high school i got a little bit of notoriety as an athlete as a kind of a big fish in a small pond but i also was in the choir and i was in um, musical theater, and I guess creatively, I I remember being on. Well, the first play I did was a was Hello Dolly, and, um, classic. And I uh, and I just remember having so much fun rehearsing and singing and dancing, and I was like, this is way better than sports. I'm not getting broken bones doing it. So that's kind of how I got the bug of being like, you know, that that was that planted the seed to somehow. You know, to, to give me the idea that somehow I would eventually work my way towards Los Angeles and pursue a uh, pursue this silly fucking business. That-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There's a lot to break down from that story. So I feel like something you still do that I love you so much for is you don't take yourself too seriously. Like you're very much willing to admit when you're being that broy like guy's guy but also you balance that with being the super sensitive passionate person who cares about animals and the environment and women's rights and also you're a great artist I mean you're just a fantastic actor how do you think that narrative when you're young of like the boys being put in like the animal corner I guess the way you described it and then also like having that juxtaposed with this sensitive curious creative side influenced your path
1: my mom, my mom, you know, my mom was just kind of like a "you can do anything" sort of thing. She exposed us to a lot of things. I think my mom grew up in a and didn't have a lot of opportunity. She grew up, you know, she, had, she had some rough times as a as a youngster growing up in Detroit with a alcoholic father and uh, who who wasn't around. And she wanted to make sure that her kids had every opportunity and she just exposed us to a lot of things. I think most of that was because she wanted to expose us and she was being an incredible mother. And then as I've gotten older, I realized a lot of it was like, oh, you're going to do stuff after school. Because I need two more hours of freedom in my day, I <laughs> think anyway, you guys are going to be in. My brother and I were in every sport and every in band and choir and all these things until we were old enough to make decisions on what we wanted to do ourselves. But a lot of that too, I think, was just for the free daycare. She just was like, you know, do it. And and my dad and my my parents are wonderful, wonderful people. I mean, certainly they're. They come with their challenges like all parents do. As they've gotten older, they have just so exceptionally different, but somehow they're it works. But if it would have been my dad raising my brother and I, we would have been like, it would have been no college. It would have been get out of high school and start working, um, get a trade that they can't take away from you kind of thing.
0: That's a very midwestern Detroit spirit for too.
1: sure. for sure. Yeah, my
0: dad's the same way. He's like, "Well, you should do what you want, but have a backup plan, you know?" Right.
1: Always. So, always. So, and if and my mom was an educator, so her way out of poverty was education and certainly and, she, and she's made a life and a career out of trying to not only do that for her children but to, she still to this day is a an educator who specializes in uh, special ed and underprivileged and handicapped and she ran a boy's home after she retired from 37 years of running a special ed high school she retired and went back got her degree so she could be an administrator and then she was uh, she got a grant from uh the feds and she was rescuing girls away from the sex slavery and um they, they that after a couple of years that because of you know politics and red tape they lost their funding on that and she now is running a, a youth documentary program and also the administrator for a underprivileged a handicapped special needs kids that are also you know, a lot of these kids are kind of wards of the state so she's uh And again, she's mostly wow. Your mom's my hero. Oh, she's a much better person than than (laughs) my brother, I and my dad. So, but that's
0: where the line of activism runs from, and it's cool to trace that back to you.
1: We can't possibly do things together because we'll butt heads. But we're all we're both doing things at the same time. We'll drive each other crazy because we're so similar. But but that's a long way of answering your question. I think you know a lot of that just came from my mom exposing me to different things and me liking different things. I, I never wanted to just be, you know, when, when, as a young boy, especially where I grew up, it was, if you were going to be cool, you were going to be an athlete. That's where I got a lot of my confidence and because I was a decent little athlete, but then that gave me the confidence to try other things. Uh, And I would say like to my friends, it would make fun of you for being in choir band whatever. I would say, Oh, I was, uh, I'm only doing it because the, because there's two girls in there, and that would be my excuse, and that was partly true, but um <laughs> I did get into school plays because I was in love with a girl named Lynette Clemens, and she was doing so I was like, well, if she's uh trying out I'm trying out um,
0: <laughs> Is Lynette still acting <laughs>
1: uh no, Lynette, but you know I lost touch with her years ago, but she was a uh, shout she, out to
0: Lynette come oh, back she, to us
1: man i still I can still see images <laughs> of her running a cross-country practice by the football field where we practice, and the coach is yelling at me from for staring. Man.
0: <laughs> so ultimately, your creative spark started with <laughs> Lynette, if we really trace it. I love that. So, okay, you went to college for acting, just getting back to your path here. You went to college... You studied theater there, right? Or did you not? I know you did plays, but you were also there for football. Like tell me what was going on. What was this part of so your life? Actually,
1: no, so i um I didn't study theater. i I was in the choir in college. No, I didn't do any productions other than every year the choir would put on a performance. It was like a Christmas magical dinner show kind of thing and we'd do that as a fundraiser for a week um and there would be singing and i, I played like the beef eater every year because i was the only guy big enough to sing the boar's head carol and, and, and the boar dressed as a beef eater the boar's head carol the boar's head and, and i don't I'm, i be decked with bees and <laughs> rosemary and i don't i don't, I don't i've never heard this song (laughs) oh man it's it's the real deal it's a banger i'm dropping my uh my single uh
0: you should wait first of all why don't you sing anymore what's going on here
1: it's a muscle and if you don't do it much anymore my range by the way is terrible and i think i'm tone deaf now but um i i love singing i sing but i'm very like what what i'm decent at is like show tunes and shit because that's all we sang in co- in college and in, in high school and college. I, I like I can't go sing like anything that's on the radio today. I, I'm I'm terrible at that vibe. But if you I'm
0: gonna force you to sing a duet with me sometime.
1: All right. All right. It's be <laughs> I
0: think it cool. could be fun. Maybe we'll get back to the boars head man.
1: I'll dress up like that guy for sure. I'll see I really wish I had could could find no my mom has probably got them but I know I have pictures of me dressed up as that dude somewhere. It was, it was the real deal. So no, the answer was because I was, I was in football. I played football. And then I also ran track. I was a, I threw the javelin and would get my ass kicked in running events. I didn't do any plays, but I I was in the choir and we would do concerts and tour around. I never had a spring break in college. All my friends would go off and do cool things on spring break. But on my spring break, I was on choir tours. I think part of that is that I missed out on like the crazy big college experience because I went to a small school and I sang in the choir and missed out on spring breaks. That's probably why at 43, I live my life like I'm still right.
0: You found a way to make it work, and that's what's important.
1: That's right. I did.
0: I also jam-packed my schedule in college, and then the first year I moved to LA, I did just like you. Like I, I feel like I had my college experience that year. I drank more than I ever did in my entire life, and I really went balls to the walls because I had like taken 20 credit hours a semester, so I almost feel like that's the way to do it. Like Learn your work ethic in college, have a year or two of having fun, and then- just get back to the grind.
1: That's kind of the way it worked because I decided, yeah, I did. I was jammed in college. It was, and I also kind of, that's just the way that it, I knew how to do things. I was always doing something. And if I wasn't, college was the first time that I would have, if I was in a sport or in an activity, I, my grades were always better because I, I, you, you stay motivated and you stay kind of active. If I had the opportunity to put things off, I wouldn't do them. I think that happens a lot for mm-hmm. me in my I think that's part of the reason that I try to jam stuff and fill my life up today with activities and try to be proactive and do other things like write and produce because if I don't, I won't accomplish fucking anything. If if left to my own devices of just sitting around, then I will just I'll just kind of flail. But if I force myself to be active and chasing things and pursuits, and I'm also interested in other things, then I'm more productive. But if I'm not, I'll get on Instagram or stare at my dog all day long.
0: And your dog is really cute. So I wouldn't blame you for that. But I think that's such a great note in general when it comes to creative life, because most of the time, no one's forcing us to do these things. But if you if you know that about yourself and you know that you work best when there's lots of different plates spinning, then creating an environment where that can happen will cause you to thrive. So that's a great learning. For sure. Okay. So after college, you didn't really do theater in college. Did you still have that like flicker in your heart though of like, Ooh, maybe this is something I want? Or was that just not on the table at that moment?
1: No, honestly, it for sure was. I just, I didn't, I went to a small school here called Whittier college that itch was getting scratched enough from, from choir, from there was some sort of performance happening there. I did see a couple of the the plays that were being performed there. And I, I didn't, I wasn't really inspired by the theater program there. I also just sort of was like, all right, I'm, pretending like I'm an athlete here and really was better at choir and had more fun at choir. But I still kind of like, I still had to have this mentality of like, Oh no, man, I'm just doing it. uh just doing it for the credits uh, or something. Cause you know, you get in the locker room and get made fun of or something. But I will say there was one guy, he's a large, big, strong human being, even still today. His name's Ben Stevens. I haven't talked to him in years, but he was uh, about 260 pound defensive end. African-American dude now, he runs a, uh, I think actually he runs one of the big churches in Inglewood, but he, uh, he was singing in the shower one day during football practice and all the guys would make fun of, they would, you can't make fun of somebody that's that much bigger than you, but he, uh, and they were calling him a choir boy and all that. And I waited till after practice and I was like, what are are you, what are they talking about? Uh, And he goes, yeah, man, uh, I'm in, I'm in choir. So I didn't, I purposely didn't join until, because I didn't, I just didn't think it was going to be cool or whatever. But when I saw that this big, studly defensive end guy was inquired, he brought me over to the choir building and he introduced me to the director. And uh, a couple of days later, I had to go back and try out to be in the choir. And then a couple of days after that, I went and tried out for a scholarship. And wow, I, so it was all that was all because of. Ben Steven showing me the way. And then after that, it was like, I was just thrilled I had the best time. And I think that's part of the reason that I do want so much of silliness today is because I had a whole different experience in college and a whole different set of friends. My optics changed because I wasn't just a football player. I wasn't just, you know, a student. I was, I was a football player and I had, you know, a hundred friends that way. And then I had my roommates and buddies that I did things with and then I had I had a whole different set of friends and different people that I would have never a whole set of different experiences because of my artistic side of the uh running around with the choir kids I felt like it just made my my college experience that much better I, otherwise I'd have just been a kid that got up and went to class and studied and, and and all my I had a lot of friends that were just like that and they're perfectly lovely people but to me um that wasn't enough. I wanted, I wanted to, you know, and maybe some things suffered a little bit and I wasn't I didn't work as hard as I should have at one thing, but you know, I was never going to get, I was never going to get rich playing football or get rich singing in the choir. Or I just wanted to be, I wanted to have life experiences that, that gave, gave me an opportunity to kind of figure out what the hell I wanted to do. And I think because of that, I said, all right, I'm going to take some time off after college and figure I really wanted to continue playing football and I wasn't good enough to make it in the NFL. So I kept trying and sending tape to Europe. And then I finally got picked up by a team in Europe and played professionally there for a year after college. But in the meantime, while I was figuring that out, I was like, well, screw it. While I'm, while I'm chasing this dream, dip my toes in the world of, of Hollywood a little bit. And I started like showing up at open call castings and reading the back of, I think it was called backstage West was mm-hmm. the, um, and then a whole other story is I, I wrote my brother into it as well. So I would drag him out into. Yeah.
0: And- okay. I, I want to talk about this. <laughs> Cause I've, I stopped your Instagram in preparation for this. And I read a caption that said, you convinced your brother to become an actor. So, oh, yeah? okay, I want to get into that, but first, like, when did you, like, quote-unquote, come out as, like, you're not just doing this to be with the girls, you actually have a passion for acting in theater? What was that like? Did you tell your parents? Did you tell friends? Or did you just kind of quietly do it and test the waters? Well,
1: we kind of, I mean, we we definitely made a splash saying, like, we're going to do this, but it was, it wasn't, it was still, so it was always a dream, but it didn't seem like this was going to be a career, you know? I was like both of our parents, I mean, they helped us get through school and they were kind of wondering when we were going to get real jobs and be <laughs> real real human beings. And, you know, still, as as we talked about earlier, my dad was just kind of wondering when, you know, all right, you guys went to college and you went to college because your mom wanted you to, to go to college, but it's time to get jobs. It's time to, my dad's been working full-time since he was 16 years old in Detroit. You know, I mean, he's like, um, the, the, the idea of people being f- fucking actors and going to classes and you know looking across from one another and saying i love you for 45 minutes or whatever (laughs) Whatever. i mean he's still like what the fuck are you guys doing (laughs) um my brother because he transferred in he's a year older and he transferred in so he had he had to take summer school after we technically or i guess we, we walked and graduated but he still had a couple credits to make up and i was trying to still pursuing, trying to get picked up by a team in Europe. We were going to just get some jobs and figure out. And we also had our, I think we had our lease on our house in college was through the summer. So we had to, and that was by design because of my brother's summer school that he had to do. So we were kind of in this limbo. George still had to finish school. I was pursuing a European slot. The season over there doesn't start until... It's the opposite of the u s season, so it starts in like January, February, and goes till July. so after graduation, I had you know six, eight months to figure out how to get picked up by a team over there so in that interim is when we we went to Hollywood and were trying to figure it out, and I was chasing uh, backstage West and all that and really what happened the the way we really got into it is because my brother. This was before your time here, but there used to be a bar on Sunset called Red Rock. Uh, it's right across from where the Towered Records store is or used to be. It's, it's Now it's called State Social House. But Oh,
0: I love that place. I've played music there before. They're great.
1: So that place used to be called Red Rock and it was kind of an institution for 25 years out here. And one Saturday afternoon, my brother was having lunch there with a girlfriend of ours. I was, I don't know, where I was not with him. And this woman, he was sitting on the outside, a little balcony thing there. And this woman drove by and saw him, jumped out of her car and handed him her card. And she was an agent. And that's really how we got into Hollywood. You're
0: kidding. Nope. That never happens.
1: And he wanted nothing. That's why he's bitches about it still to this day, 22 years later. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to go into the Navy. He wanted to do something else. I forced him to call the lady. I showed up at the meeting. She wanted nothing to do with me. So I just started crashing her, uh, his auditions.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Wait. So tell me, so you started crashing his auditions. So you would go with him and be like, Hey, can you see me as well?
1: Yeah. So obviously that was 98, 99, into 2000, I guess I played Europe for the year of 90, uh, 99 into 2000. Yeah. So there was email, but there wasn't like, there's no smartphones. There's no internet. You'd right. get things that get faxed over headshots, that kind of thing. So my, the whole gig was it's George and Jeff. My name's Jeff with a G and I would show up, George would sign in. I'd sign in after him and they'd say, we're, we're, you're you're not on the list. And I'd be like, Oh man, happens all the time geo and geo they thought it was a, a typo um yeah i don't know i mean i do you want me to call my agent or can you can i can you just see me it's, i'm so sorry i'm a, like it was a whole like routine i'd come up with and so i would just crash and then i booked one randomly i was supposed to go to george's with george to a target commercial and we were walking up the steps it was a casting office directly across the street from Norms on La siena I forget the name of it. And it was two rooms. You go up to the second floor. To the left was one casting director. To the right was a different one. And they'd have different commercials being cast all the time. And there was a sign that said Target to the left and to the right it said Sony PlayStation. And I was like, well fuck, I like PlayStation. So I just signed in. And just randomly, it, it happened to be that it was about a it was a video game that was like I remember. I'll never forget this. It was a video game called Siphon Filter, where we shot the commercial September first, two thousand one. Wow! In the video, and, and I, I evidently I just kind of looked like the guy in in the game already. I sort of looked like the character in the game, so I got cast in the video game. The character is like a anti terrorist kind of Jason Bourne, James Bond kind kind of guy. So, there was like it was half live action me running through the streets downtown l a like um but in the video game in the commercial, there was like a plane hitting the towers there oh were oh my gosh, bombs in um Afghanistan it was like so random that it was it was all, so on the nose um and then obviously September eleventh happened, and they never aired that that commercial but um that was the first thing I booked, and because I booked that that agent started sending me out on my own. And then I booked a job on um, everybody loves Raymond was my first acting job I was a co-star on everybody loves Raymond. And then after that, I just kind of it was little by little and then a pilot and then a series and then a, and then a couple of years go by and you're like, Oh, I guess I'm a fucking actor. I guess this isn't just going to be a few months mess around thing.
0: So I'm blown away by the fact that you had the courage to go to those auditions with George and just sign in, did it ever backfire on you? Oh yeah. 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 Okay.
1: I get, get caught and they wouldn't let me do it. I mean, obviously you couldn't do that now. You can't get away with that gig of, because they can just look you up really quick, but there was a little bit more leeway back then, but there were times when they would be like, or if, you know, you, you really couldn't do the same casting director again. So you'd have to it, because they'd pick up on it. But <laughs> So that was that was really for only a few months before I was able to get some get that agent to start sending me out. But do you
0: think you could do a version of that now? Like what would be the 2020 version of that? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: I mean the 2020 version of that. The only thing is, is just self submissions. I think there's no just showing up to do a fucking monologue or a. If you, I have friends that are casting directors, and they they constantly get self submissions on things. They'll find out that you know this particular casting agent is casting this thing, and somebody'll they'll just send in like, oh, you know, a letter. I think I'm perfect for this James Bond, and then they'll send in like kids. People today are pretty savvy with getting things. That's why they're you know, there's so many NDAs when you're auditioning for stuff, they'll send you a script and you're signing an NDA and like I mean come on, I don't really get Yeah,
0: guess. it's like am I texting my friend about this really? Yeah, I know. I know. So. <laughs> they're dying to know the plot points of your commercial. Um <laughs> Uh yeah. So what would be your advice for young actors who are starting out today? Because I think, I mean, a a big thing that I'm so impressed by with you is just your tenacity and just the fact that you keep going, you keep coming, you keep showing up. You've got a really lighthearted attitude about it. I feel like you've got a lot of insight for young artists. What would be your advice on how to approach
1: it? My first thing I always tell people, you know, you get the call from your mom. That's like, so this lady I work with sister's kid or cousin, whatever the hell it is, wants to be an actor. And I'll say, I'll talk to them one time and I will be honest. If they still want to do it, I'll help them. But I'm going to tell them if there's anything else that you want to do or pursue or anything else that you feel that you could get fulfillment from and happiness from, you need to do that and not chase the dream of Hollywood. There's so much glamour and excitement that comes from it. And today, a little bit of the, you know, we've, we've spent the last five years, maybe a little bit longer seeing how reality stars, fame of reality stars turned into fame of Instagram stars and YouTube stars and all that. And I think that there's a natural progression on those things where some people hit the jackpot and they happen to be in early and they made a lot of money, but it's, it all goes away. The only thing that stays is hard work and talent. And it may not seem like it, you know, when you're like, oh my God, how is that person making millions of dollars and all they do is, but I think an example of this right now is all these influencers and these people that have been making money and chasing this, trying to be famous on Instagram. That is basically as of today, maybe it comes back, but it's gone in the sense that, There's no fucking companies that have money to pay people to do this anymore. Six weeks of quarantine, the economy, we're going to come out of this. And these people that thought that they could survive for the rest of their lives, just saying stupid shit on the internet or, you know, posting a a bikini picture. Well, great. You can do it, but nobody's going to pay you to do it anymore. And you still might have millions of followers because people are still following you, but you're not going to make a living on it anymore. So the only thing that's going to last is being dedicated, working hard, and having some talent. Talent obviously helps, but I think that you can balance some of that out with uh, with hard work. So my advice to people, every time they ask, if the it doesn't matter if it's music. I mean, I can't really speak about the music industry. I can speak about the industry in general, but I can just tell you that every kid that was in the choir in fifth grade and whose aunt told them that they have a a great voice or you, or you should be a model. You should be an actor and wherever you were at in Iowa or whatever the fuck it is. And you show up in Los Angeles thinking you're going to be famous. Well, there's hundreds of thousands of other kids that look exactly like you or sing exactly like you or just as beautiful that are showing up here too. And somebody's going to get a break because they're going to work harder. And if you don't, have a good time with it and play around with it for a few years and then figure out what you're going to do when you move back home. But LA is the, it is the headquarters for (laughs) King, a prom King and Queens. It's like, this is the, this is the capital of the world for people that were, prom queens and prom kings that showed up out here on a bus one day because they wanted, they saw a movie or they saw somebody on Instagram and wanted to be famous. Social media has changed it because you can be famous anywhere. Now all you need is your selfie uh, or your cell phone
0: and your selfie.
1: Yeah. I've lost friends. Like I've had friends that have said like, you've inspired me. I want to do this. And I say, awesome. I've one of my good friends called me one day out of the blue and he was like, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. And I was like, Listen, bro, I will absolutely help you agents and casting and whatever and classes and all that. If you do one thing, if you don't quit your real job yet, if you do that, I won't help you. And I just, just cause I just like, I know that people don't realize that this is a job and a career and a some people get lucky and they book their first audition and I'm sorry that's the same thing as winning the lottery. It's probably even less likely than winning the lottery but the the chances of you having a career that sustains and lasts and you can handle the the trends and you can handle the you know, the ups and downs and the everybody has ups and downs in their careers, and everybody's path is different, and every everybody has struggles if you can handle it. And you can suck it up and do it and there's nothing else that's going to make you happy than then I say, come out here and work hard. Do the things that are sometimes embarrassing like crash fucking auditions or keep going to class and getting humbled. But for me, I can, my, my experience there is this is a job and a career. It's not, a, it's not something you do because you just want to be famous. If, if, if your point of view here and your goal is just to be famous, then you're, it's not going to happen.
0: Was there ever a moment in your career or many moments when you came close to wanting to close up shop and try something else and if so how did you keep going?
1: Yeah, like 20 minutes ago, right before you called.
0: <laughs> what happened?
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh. Uh, I mean all the time, like I one of the last times we saw each other I was on, when I came on the show I was probably promoting one of the movies that I had coming out and I had three movies in a row that I was excited about. And and for a guy that had been mostly a television actor, I had, you know, lead roles in, in studio movies. And I was like, well, shit, this is a game changer for me. And all three of those movies didn't work. They were neither box office successes or critically acclaimed that it they were just, you know, they were great experiences and they were part of a body of work and a career. But you think like, Oh man, now I'm, I'm sharing the screen with Rosario Dawson and Catherine Heigl and Chris Hemsworth um, and, and like, you know, Jeff Bridges and Josh Brolin and like, Oh man, I've made it. And then none of those fucking movies work. And then you get a call from your agent instead of like, Hey, we got an offer for you on this great big movie. They're like, Hey, we've got an offer for you to audition for something that, and you look at it and you're like, what the fuck? I should just be getting offered that. And then you remember like, Hey, this is part of the process. And it's, so it's humbling. It's, it's, it's always humbling, but I, I don't know, i've always had this perspective of like you know i i'm very confident in myself that is also something I need to balance because i I'm really decent at not really having to try that hard and still being goodish but good good isn't good enough you know I mean like I have to remind myself, hey, put in the work on that audition because there's somebody else is some
0: I feel like sometimes you're too humble though like I don't know if you see yourself accurately because you're very, very talented. You're very kind. You're a pleasure to work with. Like Trust I know you have to stay me. humble.
1: Trust but- me. I, I know that. And I believe it, but I, I understand the reality of things that you still, it's still, a, it's still a business and it's still a game. So when I, I always, I mean, I, one of the things that I'm confident in is if I work with somebody, they want to work with me again, because of the reasons that you're saying, I mean, because I'm, except when I get tired in the afternoon and need a little nap cause I'm a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, people enjoy working with me cause I, I work hard and I know what I'm doing and I'm, and I'm not an asshole, but there, it's still a business. And you still like, you understand how it works out there. Like in today's game, like somebody's got a bigger name than you or they've got more followers on Instagram or they had something that worked better. You know, they, they came off of a movie or a TV show that, that just happened to be a hit, yeah, so there's all there's all kinds of things that that come into play in in a career, and you just have to. Number one, you have to be able to evolve and keep working. I'm not currently in one, but I mean, I'm 43 years old. I've had been the lead of six television shows. I've had 12 pilots not go. I mean, I've been on probably 15, 16 different shows as a regular. Nine or 10 of them, I've been in comedies, dramas, multi-cameras, single cameras. On television, I've been the lead of and had my own show on multi-cameras, single cameras, dramas, and dramedies. I've done everything there is. I have the ability and I'm very lucky to be able to do multiple things, but I am a firm believer in this business. You're only as good as your last job. As far as your like viability or bankability. It's it's constantly evolving. And you're like, all right. And also things are changing too. And they're like, all right, I'm not playing the 30 year old hunky guy anymore. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, like that. I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a decent looking dude by any means, but you, as you age and things change, you're you know, the category that you're in changes too. So you have to, you have to evolve with that as well. I mean, naturally, physically you evolve just because of father time, but just as far as the things that you pursue and the way that you portray yourself and just the reality of, okay, I'm a certain age now and I'm not playing the same things that I was. Like now, instead of being the high school football player, the college football player, I'm, you know, I'm I have a zoom call with the director on to play the fucking college football coach. Like so that's that I and still in my mind I look at myself and I'm like, oh no, I'm I'm still a college football player, right? I feel like that, but I I forget that I'm I'm not that. So all those things that's just part of, you know, living and growing up and 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 evolving and being able to be a little nimble in the in your career, but without working, without class, without things, I look at my career as an actor a lot like I look at I looked at my career as an athlete where you athletes practice all the fucking time. They don't just go to games. Like we see the games as, as spectators. That's what we see, but you don't see the the workouts and the practices. And that's what that's the way I kind of look at at acting is if I'm not, you know, if I'm at a, not at the game, if I'm not on set shooting or doing a play or in class, then what am I doing? What am I doing? if this if I'm going to say this is my life and this is my career now I can say that if I was in the military and i did twenty three years of uh the military i would i could retire at twenty years with full benefits and i've been as i've been a professional actor I've never had a real job for twenty three years that's a full career in and like in the real world but so if this is my career and my life I, what am I doing to get better every day what am i how how am I making giving myself a chance to continue working and to evolve. And, and, you know, there's always going to be somebody else that's younger, or better looking, or, you know, coming off. It's like, it's just, you're always, you're always, I think it's a grind. And that's why when people ask me, you know, I want to do this, I say, well, fuck you. If you can do something else, you should do that because you got to be willing to deal with it. And that's why you see people. I remember when I was first starting, and I heard a saying, and I'm not going to say it exactly right, but it was like, you show me somebody that was a lead on a WB show this year, I'll show you 10 guys that are at Starbucks on Ventura right now that were the lead on a show last year. They're like, like mm-hmm. it's just, and those dudes that just relied on guys and girls, obviously, uh, that that relied on, you know, being handsome and, and um, cool or whatever the hell it is. When that show ended, they have to get another job. And no matter what, the most successful shows doesn't matter. Now, finances is different, but Seinfeld, Will & Grace, Friends, those are the most successful shows in in our generation. Guess what? They eventually fucking end. And those people all are still – they still want to have a career. They still want to work. Now, they don't need – they don't need to work to pay their bills, but they need to work to fulfill themselves. They need to. Do, they are actors. They have chased this dream their whole lives, so they want to continue doing things. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to end, and you still have to. The next day, when it ends, it's time to grind for the next one, and that's why. That's why you see a lot of people that were like super famous and had a hot show going, and then you never see them again because they just weren't willing to to grind it. I, I, that's, well, that's kind of how magical. do
0: you keep the creative love and the grind alive when you're not working like what do you do tactically what do you do
1: i mean for for me it's been doing theater it's it's doing plays it's
0: where do you do plays
1: i just random small little like theater lab stuff um and and Hollywood with I study with a a teacher named Deb Aquila and she humbles the shit out of me and yells at me and tells me I'm lazy and then reminds me to work harder we will do full plays under her theater company Um, we'll do them as a lab though so we'll never charge anybody to come see them or we'll just workshop 20 or 30 minutes of different plays um, and that's kind of that's the kind of way that she teaches her class so that keeps me alive that's what I do and then I also I'm, I'm also a a producer and um, and a and a uh, <laughs> an aspiring writer. Still, I I write with partners because uh, I don't trust myself. But- do you
0: write comedy at all, Jeff? Because you really do have one of the most brilliant. I mean, as far as like people, I used to. Put on Maria's show when I was p- the producer of her show you would come on and it was like always just such a peaceful feeling when I knew you'd be coming on because I'm like oh he's gonna be a slam dunk and it's gonna be easy and I don't need to worry about filling the space because Jeff's gonna kill it like oh, yeah, I feel like
1: I talk too much yeah for sure I just ramble yeah
0: <laughs> no you don't you've also got a really bright brilliant mind I think for comedy and are you doing that like how did you decide you were gonna go toward writing
1: just to because you know had had ideas you wanted to create some ideas and like run with it so um, I I mean I originally got into writing because one of my best friends was a writer and he was he didn't have representation and I'd be like oh my god that's fucking hilarious and I'd send it to my agents and they'd stick it on the bottom of the, the stack and they were like well we don't represent this fucking guy we're not gonna write you know uh, and then one day I was like we should just write something together and that if I if my names on it you know maybe we'll get it we'll get it read and and then we got it sold a couple things and had a couple deals. Um, we wrote some pilots that were vehicles for me and they were all comedy. So yeah, mostly that's all I, I mean, I really, I really like all of it, but as far as what I want to write, I just want to be writing, you know, silly, fun comedy stuff. That's, that's what I enjoy.
0: I love that. And I think a lot of times when you add something to the repertoire, there's because you know I do a lot of different things. And there's people like, Oh, I thought you were this. So now you do that. Like, did you feel those kind of questions at all? Or was it like a supernatural progression for you? And what's your advice to somebody who's adding on a slash?
1: Never there's no other place in this business where people want to tell you no when you estab- then when you establish yourself as one thing. They want to keep you in that spot, meaning representatives, people that work for you. They want you to to be in a category where they where they and this, this sounds conspiratorial and it's it's not. It's just it's, <laughs> what I mean is if you're making money for your reps as an actor, they want you to continue making money for them as an actor. They can they want you on a set where you're making money and they can commission that when you come up with ideas where you're like, Oh, I want to produce this. I want to option this. That is creating work for your reps that they are not getting paid for. And most likely because, you know, is it's so hard for things to, um, to get made anyway, um, the chances of something getting made. So they're, you're creating work for people that they know they can't commission right now possibly never commission and definitely not going to commission for a year or so, you know, like from the conception of an idea to something, you know, going forward. So if you want to be a slash, get ready to grind and never take no for an answer. No to me is like a high five now. Now when I hear a no, I'm like, got it. Perfect. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. Cause now I'm going to figure out how to do it myself. I'm going to fail at a lot of stuff, but I just figure like, what? the fuck else am i gonna do tell me you know like this this is what i'm doing this is what i do i enjoy this This is what my life is if you tell me no and i want and i believe in something i'm going to continue going i'm going to continue trying because as as mr rykovich said in high school (laughs) (laughs) this last story i'll tell you football is monday we were playing this team that beat the shit out of us historically they're a bigger school uh, and people would say like, why are they scheduling? So Trinidad, they always beat us. So Monday before practice, he's in the locker room and he, he, everybody's all quiet. Cause he's all stoic and mean, and we're scared of him. And he writes this he wrote that writes on the board, walks in the middle of the whole team and writes on the board, three letters T R Y. And, and he says, uh, what do you guys think about that? And everybody's kind of afraid to, to say anything. And then like, you know, I think maybe I I was a, I was a junior, I think. So I was a starting quarterback. So I probably said something first, like shook my, barely shook my head and like, yeah, try it, try it. Try sounds great. Right. Try. And then, and then there's like a chorus of guys behind that, that little by little start to say, yeah, try it. It's great. And then he threw the piece of chalk at the chalkboard and it smashed and screamed, well, I fucking hate it. And all of us looked around we're like, "Well, this is obviously a fucking trick question now Mr. Regavis." And he uh and then he grabbed the chalk off the ground. He wiped try off the chalkboard with his hand. So it was like smeared and he wrote do, d o. Uh. And uh and I was like, "Oh, all right. I get your point this lesson." And he was <laughs> We're not here to try. We're here to do. Uh, so I, I remember that a lot um, when I say, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep doing until it works. And then, you know, then if, then I'll, I'll die doing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You that's have... the
0: only answer. I think creativity is intricately connected to the inner child. So I want to know if you and your child self were standing in the same room, what do you think little Jeff would say to you and why?
1: Don't forget to stretch.
0: <laughs> Great. And what would you say to him and why?
1: Uh Oh, I know. That's what I would say to little, so it'd be the other way around. I would be, I would say old Jeff would say to little Jeff, don't forget to stretch because your joints are going to hurt. Yeah. You're going to be old one day, buddy. Little Jeff would probably say, uh, oh man, what would little Jeff say? Oh man. Now you got me. I don't know.
0: Don't you think he'd be impressed and grateful for what you did to keep his creative passion alive?
1: Yeah, he would say that, but he would say it with less eloquent words. He'd be like, hey, uh, you're not so bad, <laughs> Fuck face or something like
0: that. <laughs> oh, there you have it, everyone. Jeff Stoltz, I appreciate you. I adore you, respect you, look up to you so much. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Hey, thanks a lot. I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're doing this. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Jeff. We really only scratched the surface this time, so hopefully he'll come back so we can take a deep dive into his professional career and hear more of his fun football stories. A lot of life lessons packed in there. For more info on Jeff, you can follow him at Jeff M. Stoltz, and that is spelled G-E-O-F-F, then the letter M, and Stoltz is S-T-U-L-T-S. And check him out on Hulu's Little Fires Everywhere. It's streaming now, and it's amazing. Thanks to Liz Full for creating the show's theme music. You can follow her at Liz Foll. And again, thank you. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Follow it on Spotify. If you really like the show, post about it on your Instagram stories. Tag at Unleash Your Inner Creative and at Lauren LaGrasso. You can also tag Jeff. I'm sure he'd love to see what you thought of him, what you thought of his football stories whether you think he should sing again. Speaking of singing, my new single, Rise, is out now. You can get it wherever you get your music. And my wish for you this week is that you approach life with the same confidence and passion that young Jeff Stoltz crashed those auditions with and that you find time to rest and create from a restful place. Stay tuned for Steffi Hill's reading of her creative challenge poem based on the word blue. It's really great. Talk with you soon. I love you. And I believe in you. Here's Steffi.
2: Thank you so much for inspiring me to write this poem. I have been having some massive writer's block. I've been working on it, even talking about it in therapy. And when you do these weekly unleash challenges, It really kind of opens my brain and opens my mind to do something fun and not put so much pressure on myself to have this perfect product, but instead just letting my brain have passion and creativity and flow. And for the first time after writing that poem, I ended up actually writing a few pages in a script and submitting it to another script competition. So, And this week, your creative challenge was to come up with something With the word blue, and I came up with this poem. So I haven't titled it yet, but I'm thinking I'm gonna call it It's Okay to Be Blue. Here goes I did everything you asked me to, but how come I am still so blue? The ups are high and the downs so low. It's all in the pain of letting go. People will say, just try to smile. As if being sad should put you on trial. The slowest way to get unplugged is sweeping your blues right under the rug. Thinking positive and meditating all day, you know, it doesn't really take the sadness away. The colors on pavement in faded chalk are the same age of the memories that got you blocked. But you gotta look darkness right in the eyes and chase it away to find bluer skies. In the healing and the steps to undo, all the shadows will come on through. But reprogramming your brain, it'll take some time, and you'll see your dreams begin to climb. Trauma is just a part of your story. Going through pain will lead you to glory. The ocean is deep, and the sky is blue. It's okay to feel the way that you do. Thanks again for encouraging that challenge. It's funny when you said the word blue, the first thing I thought of was depression. I don't know if it's the state of the pandemic or writing on the nose, but I thought it was an interesting twist on how we can all view different words and come up with our own creations based off of that trigger that motivation, that feeling from just a simple word. So hopefully a lot of other people also submitted and thanks for doing this. I love you so much. You're my sister, cousin, friend forever. I'm blue, I'm
1: a, need of a guy that baby. <laughs>